I am going to start by apologizing because I'm extremely jet lagged and I might get, I won't, I'm only just after waking up from a nap and when I'm really jet lagged and tired, I turn into an idiot as you all know. Yeah. The uh, rush episode in person was lots of fun. <laughs> As you roll, you, you could see a meltdown happening right in front of you. I mean, yeah, it was as Russia was starting to go under Putin's rule, so it's understandable that that's kind of upsetting. But Jesus, your eyes were rolling in your head as I was trying to talk to you. <laughs> uh, speaking of, so I'm just back from my trip to San Francisco. And when I was going over there, I was similarly tired um, because I just had that 11 hour flight. That flight itself was about an hour and a half to two hours late taking off because of some electrical issue. And then when I landed, I spent another two hours in customs while they inspected my visa. There's like a big hole up there. So the end result was by the time I was actually done and arriving at my hotel, I was, I, I was not a man. I was like, I was just exhausted. I was more so a plastic bag filled with farts than an actual functioning human being. <laughs> and I was I was waiting in the line for the concierge to, to check in. And I, my phone had just gone off and it was a, a message from my uh, service provider, three, because uh, I was using my UK number in the States. And it was just like explaining to me the roaming charges and all that kind of stuff. And then they called me to come up. I was so stupid with tiredness. I wasn't, I wasn't functioning correctly and I walked up. And they said, hello, welcome to the Clift Hotel. Can I have your name, please? And I looked up at them. And because I think, I guess I was thinking about my phone, I thought they'd actually asked me for my phone number. So I started to give it to them. <laughs> and then I stopped myself and said, what? So let's do a little role playing. You're the concierge. Welcome me to the hotel and ask my name. Hello, sir. Good evening. Uh, can I please get your name? Seven. What? <laughs> That's what happened. That's what I did. <laughs> and then, and then I, I I woke up a little bit, and I gave them my name and all that kind of shit. And I passed as a basic human being pretty well until the very end when I was about to leave to go up to my room, and I forgot that I hadn't inquired about the Wi-Fi. And now, as a quick aside, I just want to say that I have been using what am instead of what is or what are way more in my day to day life. <laughs> because like when we do this episode and when we're t- like when we're talking on, on WhatsApp, planning our episodes, we're always saying what am. Yeah. Whenever we record an episode or I, I make a piece of artwork, I'm always writing it down, like labeling it as what am. So what am is in my head way more than what is. And <laughs> looked her square in the eyes. Well, that also, that, also just, that also just point out how little you actually ask what is before you had to ask what am. <laughs> but I just looked at her and I said, what am the Wi-Fi? <laughs> what am Wi-Fi? <laughs> and God love her. She just looked at me with pity and told me and didn't even question it. <laughs> oh, so that's that's what you're dealing with today. I can't wait. It's okay, Richie. This is this is going to be an easy one. Hey, when you were um, when you were coming back from the airport, uh, what what mode of transport did you get? Um, when I was coming back from the airport, a uh, taxi. Oh, okay. You didn't get the wagon. The, wa- the the wagon. You didn't get a wagon. <laughs> no, I didn't get a wagon. Why would I have gotten a wagon? Oh, because this episode we're getting on a wagon. Where's, and where's this wagon going, Steve? I'm not, well, I'm Much not sure. like this joke, where's it going? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, the Foo Fighters are on it. And um, what are the Foo Fighters? 
They're a band? So what would you call a wagon with a band on it? <sighs> We're getting <laughs> on bandwagons. Bandwagon. <laughs> that was a ter- look, that was a terrible intro for this episode. Let, let me take a stab at it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Dumbledore said to Captain Kirk, You shall not pass. Gotta go catch them all. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's our Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> How's that? I'm really I, tired. I think we should leave both in just so the poor listeners can uh, unsubscribe as soon as possible. I mean, they're both so perfect. <laughs> We're talking about Game of Thrones today because that's not being talked about enough. No, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's going under the radar. It's only like Vice with their like undercover kind of like expose journalism that's actually <laughs> letting the world know about expose. it. <laughs> This little-known indie is taking the underground TV scene by storm. <laughs> People are gathering in warehouses to watch it on VHS tapes. <laughs> You'll never believe this crazy documentary. <laughs> no, everyone's talking about it and people are probably sick of it, but that that's not going to stop us from cashing in on that sweet SEO. <laughs> And also, we should we should say up top. Okay, two things up top. Spoilers, obviously. That goes without saying, but I just said it. Yes. Secondly, we haven't seen the full season yet, so this episode will be going out after the finale, but we are recording it prior to finale. Yes. So. So we're not going to know what what exactly is going to happen at the end, but we're going to make guesses probably for sure. And depending on how shocking the actual episode is when we watch it, uh, this is Sunday. We'll presumably watch it on Monday when it comes out over here. Um, but I might give you a quick call, depending how shocking it was, a quick Skype call and insert it somewhere in this episode. But I might not either, depending on how lazy I'm feeling or jet lagged. Well, now whenever I receive a phone call from you, I'm always assuming that it might be being taped. So I'll just answer it as I always <laughs> yes, do. Yes, you did that. Do you, do you remember when I called you when um, uh, Sean Spicer quit? Yeah. And I was calling you just because I wanted to like break the news to you because I literally saw it as it came in on a 24 hour news channel that was that was on the background. And you <laughs> I noticed you were being particularly charismatic on the phone with me. <laughs> and it was because you assumed I was recording you for something. And you're like, no. And that's what our friendship has devolved into. <laughs> I don't speak to you outside of recording podcasts. We have to pod- True, barely. Po- podcastize everything for us to have social interactions. Now. And actually, we, we were, it was kind of sad because at the end of that conversation, it was a funny conversation and I did kind of wish I recorded it. <laughs> so we're talking about Game of Thrones, but specifically, I guess, the politics of Game of Thrones? Um, well, not really the politics of Game of Thrones, because like, if you talked about the politics of what goes on in the show, then you'd just be talking about what goes on in the show, because pretty much everything that happens in that show is about power. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get on the bandwagon and do what even like the New York Times, the New Yorker, everybody does and just talk about how Game of Thrones kind of reflects actual politics in the real world. Ooh. Yeah. So there's a couple of the different easy ones, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The dragons. The dragons. Yeah. I mean, we all know about the dragons of World War Two and a half. <laughs> oh, the one that was erased from all of our memories, except you and I, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And in fact, when everyone's listening to this, they just hear static. So dragons, like, are there any sort of comparisons to the real world? Yeah, well, you could probably say that the dragons are nuclear weapons because anyone in this world who has nuclear weapons, you can't really touch them. And they're supposed to be the perfect deterrent to get attacked. So when countries want to make sure that they want to make themselves secure and safe, mm-hmm. they go and they grab some dragons and then they... <laughs> 
turn them into bombs and put them on the top of warheads. So we've talked. Oh, that's how they get made. We never discussed that. <laughs> yeah, that might, that, we didn't get into that in, in North Korea. I mean, you think that North Korea <laughs> would have easier access considering there's so many dragons in China. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and they're nearby. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I guess and then in Game of Thrones, the whole thing is that the Targaryens were first able to conquer Westeros because they just turned up with these dragons, and then mm-hmm. everyone starts taking Daenerys seriously when she has dragons, mm-hmm. and then everyone. It's not somewhat like I I read the books as well. Have you read the books? No. Okay, and probably most people listening might not have read the books as well, but I'm still going to talk about them because that's what people who have read the books do. The dragons in the books are a lot more sought after, and everyone's kind of always desperately trying to get their hands on them. And there's also a loot. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I think it only happens, like, once or twice in the show where people try to steal the dragons off her. Yeah. I know those, the weird blue lip people, the the warlocks, they tried to steal the dragons off Daenerys. I can't remember, did anyone else? Uh, wasn't there the owner of the Unsullied Army, didn't he try to, not oh. steal them, but he tried to barter for one of them and then yeah. the and then, dragon, yeah. Oh, that was the one with the really, that was one, like one of the first times you've seen the dragons actually, like, killing people. And she was holding Yeah, the, I think it was the first... She had yeah. the dragon on a leash and it looked like she was like flying a fire kite. It was kind of cool. So it's, it's it's a pretty easy analogy to say that the dragons are nuclear weapons. And in this world, countries who want to make sure that they're secure get their hands on some nukes. So mm-hmm. really the only people that could actually legitimately threaten a country with a nuke is another country with a nuke because they'd be like, okay, well, because like if you were, I don't know, Cuba and you're starting to get all up in America's shiz, they can just turn around and say, yeah, well, we're going to nuke you. So just shut up. Whereas mm-hmm. if Cuba, at, at one point, were looking to get nuclear weapons put on their island to give them more defence, that's when America started freaking out and had to take them semi-seriously. And so does that affect, because you can see the way with Daenerys now, like because she has these three, well two now, um, big fully grown dragons that are pretty damn powerful, it's kind of affecting her ruling style and also her confidence as a leader and how she navigates political situations. Is that the same historically as when countries get nuclear weapons? Like do they alter their presence on the world stage and how they interact with other nations well not necessarily so the first country to get nukes was america and they did actually pretty much immediately use them once they got them working a couple of months later right they dropped two of them on japan and ended the war there and right. it's it's pretty mo- it's pretty well accepted that one of the reasons that they actually dropped the bombs was to show the world that they had them especially russia because everyone knew that that was going to be the next big potential confrontation was going to be between the uh like the capitalist allies against Russia. Mm-hmm. But then after that, because they seen what devastation was brought on by using the nukes, they were really, really hesitant to ever use them again. There's different kind of nukes now. There's you got the massive thermonuclear weapons that can wipe out entire cities. Mm-hmm. But then there's also smaller kind of nukes, like tactical nukes, they call them, which could be used at more localized, smaller confrontation kind of levels. And they do include them in the plans for in conflicts, but they've never actually used them because they understand that once you use the nuke, you're, you're taking the conflict to another step, another another level. Yeah. So like the first, the first one was almost like a free pass just to show the world what would happen. But then after that, America and everyone else, because no one else has ever used them apart from that one time they were used, have been really hesitant to use them. So like... Nuclear powers have gotten involved in conflicts many, many times, but they never use them. And in fact, never really seriously use them. And this, like, I, don't, I can't remember if we talked about it, but during the Korean War, um, one of the American generals, whose name escapes me at the moment, he actually started saying in the press that they should use nuclear weapons in that conflict. And he got fired by President Truman um, because he didn't want anyone to, to consider it as being a possibility. So that that's how that that's that's almost how against people are about using nukes. Right. Whereas in Game of Thrones, 
people have to talk Daenerys down. Like Tyrion spends most spent most of the start of the season <laughs> trying to talk her off burning the whole world. Whereas and then Yeah, she's got a bit she's got a bit dragging crazy this season. Well she was always dragging crazy, actually. Like she was dragging crazy when she used her dragons. But she's like using them to go down to the shops to get her milk or whatever. Like she's just riding them around nonstop into battles now. Yeah, and she probably won't do that anymore after she lost one. Yeah. So Tyrion wanted to say that look, you can't do that. You can't be like the United States and wipe out an entire city with your dragons because then nobody's gonna want to follow you afterwards. Yes. He's he's all about this whole good ruler thing, but we'll, we'll get onto that later. Mm-hmm. Whereas she's just like, no, I want to use them. I got them. And when she does, she burns a lot of people and totally wipes them out mm-hmm. and it, it pretty much destroys uh, the Lannister army and then you, you can kind of compare it like I don't I can't remember how much is actually covered in the TV show but when Daenerys' ancestor Aegon took his dragons over to Westeros to conquer them um, he only actually used them a couple of times in battle because after he used them people just immediately started bending the knee and, and falling and falling into line Right. so there could be some yeah that's kind of like what America was trying to do after they used them first is like just use these we- use these use these dragons these dragon nuclear weapons kill a few hundred thousand people mm-hmm. but then we don't need to go into another battle and use millions of soldiers so man this is reminding me of uh sorry to bring in another piece of pop culture but iron man 1 when tony stark is saying that his father used to say that the best weapon is the one you never have to fire and he respectfully disagrees and says the best weapon is the, the one you only ever have to fire once yes yeah. so that's dragons. Basically that. That's dragons. Only if they're fire, dra- only fire a dragon <laughs> the best, once. The best, dra- Iron Man says, the best dragons are the ones you only need to fire once. That's a pretty, the dragons are a pretty easy one. Um, so now what's after happening at the end of the last episode, so episode six of season seven, is that the, the bad guys, who are pretty much guaranteed to be the only bad guys left after, I think it looks like everyone's going to stop fighting each other and actually turn around and start fighting the White Walkers. They have a dragon now. So... Basically, they have enough to be able to turn around and fight back at Daenerys. So that mm-hmm. makes them, whereas before they were, I suppose, a pretty significant threat because they were marching with an army of a million dead people onto the wall. Now they're marching with... Has it been has it been said what their numbers actually are? No, it's just like hundreds of thousands or something like that. I don't ever think it's yeah, specified. Yeah, they keep it vague. Yeah. And yeah, okay. I think once you say army of the dead, it kind of, it doesn't really matter. It, that's enough. Yeah. It could be five. Well, that's a squad. That'd be squad. Squad of the dead doesn't really sound as intimidating. <laughs> Hashtag dead squad. <laughs> but now they're the army of the dead plus a dragon, yeah. which makes them even, even more <sighs> intimidating. Yeah. I was nearly sure that Jon Snow was going to hop onto the back of the other dragon and fly away because when Daenerys, so did I. When Daenerys was making her escape at the end of that episode, um, you didn't see the, the third dragon. Mm. So there was the one she was on, there was the one that got iced, and then there was the other one. And then not only that, but later on in the show, you don't see it again. So, mm. but oh, the fuckers, I think they just couldn't afford to use more dragon graphics so they just said, oh yeah, we'll bring in the uncle who saved Bran at the end of the last season because that's what he, that's what his job is. So we just like show... And then he immediately dies. Yeah, he just like, yeah. Because he just rocks, he rocks up on a zombie horse waving some fire poi. That's what it is, poi? Is that the thing, the, the, the juggle thing where you, you're, you're swishing around? It's a mace, isn't stuff? it? Yeah, but what's that, the, like the art form where you twirl things around? It's like a branch of juggling. Is that koi? No, that's a, that's a pond. I don't know. Poi? A, a koi is a fish. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's... <laughs> Sorry. Was I'm he going, waving... So was that, was that a fish? <laughs> was he waving a fish? A fire fish? <laughs> That's pretty significant. Riding over the horizon, just swinging fish around. Yo! <laughs> Come get... So, I've got you, nephew. What? Who is this? <laughs> I don't remember you. You happened seven seasons ago. 
<laughs> immediately dies. Yeah, that that was. It's like they were just keeping him as a wild card for when they didn't have enough budget to do a proper solution. He would just ride in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's also really annoying that they haven't showed John's um, dire wolf since he got resurrected. Is that wolf dead, though? No, no, not at all. Because the, not. the last time you've seen it, it was it was with his body. And then he get resurrected and you haven't seen it since. I think, like, there could be something about that that, like, oh, no, now his um, his direwolf senses that there's something weird about his resurrected master, so he stays uh, away. But I don't think that's what yeah. it is. I think they just don't want to spend money on CGIing a giant dog all the time. Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying, though. Yeah. But anyway. All that, money, all that budget is going on the dragons. But, yeah, and then and sometimes they, again, forget to put in one of the dragons at the end of the last episode. It's like, oh, people are... There's just a really shitty puppet that they just have to put in. <laughs> it's like an actual kite just, like, bopping up and down. <laughs> Just a man going, rawr. <laughs> Wearing one of those shitty T-Rex and flavor costumes from Amazon. <laughs> rawr. Okay, so keeping on with the wall part. Um, yeah. You could probably make an easy analogy as well. And this is one that I may have made originally because, or I can't remember if I robbed it from someone else's listicle, but mm-hmm. um, the wildlings and the refugee crisis that's presently going on um, in Europe. Oh. So it's... It's established pretty quickly in the show that there is a horde of the wildlings, the people that live beyond the wall, mm-hmm. who the northerners hate. And by the time the show starts, there hasn't been like it's hard to remember, but people didn't believe in armies of deads and night kings and all the crazy magic shit that goes on beyond the wall. People pretty much assumed that the wall was built to keep the wildlings separate because they're wild and not civilized. So mm-hmm. we should stick this wall up here to keep ourselves separate. And that's what and the night watch were there to protect the wall from the wildlings for them coming down and raiding mm-hmm. not to protect them from armies of deads or many squads of deads mm-hmm. and then they start coming down in a massive massive migration of I think it was like 100,000 people um, led by Manth the uh, king beyond the wall and he just wants to bring his people to safety so that's like a pretty easy analogy to compare to what's going on with um, people trying to flee from conflicts around Syria and kind of conflicts in, in yeah. Africa trying to make it across the Mediterranean into Europe into like a better a better world but yeah it's not an invading force it's they're just basically fleeing the white walkers yeah so or, you know conflict yeah basically they just want to stay alive and get a better life yeah. for themselves I don't know if we're killing people in the Mediterranean using people in black cloaks who have to take a vow of celibacy after they commit a crime don't think so I don't know. I, haven't, I didn't check that part, but we're definitely not mm-hmm. welcoming them, welcome, welcoming them with open arms. So mm. you could probably make that pretty, pretty easy comparison. And I, I don't know. Um, is that uh, something that George R. R. Martin was setting out to to make commentary on? Do you think, or is it just? Well, I don't. He like when he wrote that book in the nineties, the mid nineties. I don't think there was any kind of comparative. Like obviously, mm. conflicts have always happened, so there's always waves of refugees coming from different places. So I guess that's like, whereas it, it it wasn't as intense as it is now. There have always been people having to move from one place to another on a mass to try and get to safety, mm-hmm. and they're always treated pretty badly because that's just what humans do. Humans have been doing it for like tens of thousands of years. Um, like the entire hordes of Celts just used to roam around the place trying to find better places to live, and they would come into conflict with other tribes and other Romans. Like most of the conflicts that we've turned into myths and legends are usually like the the Saxons. Was it the Saxons coming into England and King Arthur had to fight them? I can't remember, but that was basically a my a huge horde of people trying to find a better place to live, and the people who are already there saying "fuck off," no, this is our land. So it's always been happening and always will. Uh, you could kind of say that when Jon Snow came to power, he seen that the Wildlings weren't necessarily the enemy that 
actually they could be the allies against a greater enemy. Mm-hmm. So he co- he co-opted them and got them to join because it's the living versus the dead. As as the leader of the power, he accepted them. He made himself stronger. Mm-hmm. A lot of arguments being made in the European refugee crisis is that a lot of these people that are trying to come over are young, uh, fit, and able workers. Mm-hmm. Whereas the European countries that they're trying to move to are have got aging populations, and eventually we're going to come up to a point where we may not have enough new workers coming into the stream to pay the taxes to support the elder generations. Oh. So one way around that is to take in a whole heap of young migrants and then you've replenished your workforce, you can keep supporting the older people. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, so maybe that like that could be a comparison. Eventually if Jon Snow does come to power in Italy, he could take all these migrants in and then settle them in different places. I'm, please, I'm uh, bear in mind my sleep addled brain, Tr- try not to blur the lines between okay. the analogies here. <laughs> that is that is super interesting though. That's not that's not something I ever considered when I was watching it, but now I will. T- it'll totally be front of mind anytime I see that big ginger wildling. <laughs> yeah, he's great. That guy and his social, me- his social <laughs> media stuff so is so much. funny. <laughs> What's the social media oh, stuff? Like, the he, actor? Yeah, the actor. Yeah, he does great tweets and great little videos. He got the, he got a toy Brienne and a toy Thormund and like acted out a love scene between them. <laughs> 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 and he like one of the he did one a couple of years ago when he was just starting on the show. He he walks into a barber's. I think he's from Norway, and he walks into like mm-hmm. a, a hair salon or something. He goes, "I'm about to show you how a real man gets a haircut." And he sits down, and then someone walks up with a buzzer and just like takes off a fleck of beard so he can hold a couple of hairs in his hand. And then he hold he stands back up and he goes, <laughs> "There, that is how a real man gets his haircut," and then walks out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. If you send that to me, I'll stick in the show notes. I'll try and find his Twitter account and forward it on. It's definitely worth checking out. I also found out actually in an unrelated thing that Sam Neill is one of the funniest people on Twitter. You know the guy from Jurassic Park? Sam Neill, the Jurassic Park yeah. guy. <laughs> He's a he, Really? He, he spends his time now drinking wine and taking care of a farm, I guess maybe in New Zealand where he's from. So like so, there's sometimes uh-huh. he's just like drinking a glass of wine while giving a pig a belly massage to make it feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Samuel. That's what I want. But uh, yeah, he's he's, oh he's being God. nice enough to share it with the world. Oh man, have you seen the the Hunt for the Wilder People? Yes, oh, it's one of my favorite films from last year. So good. It, it, it's so great. He's wonderful in yeah. it. He's great at just being a disgruntled old bastard. <laughs> yeah, but then also, like, you can totally believe that he's hard as nails as well, doing all these things. But with the with the yeah, heart of sure. gold on the inside. Oh, such a good movie. He actually, now that I think um, about it, it's pretty much exactly the same thing that happened to him in Jurassic Park. He gets lost in the wilderness with some kids, but then learns to love them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah okay, we're not really talking about Game of Thrones or politics at the moment. That's true. Here's one. So, whereas George R. R. Martin may not have been thinking about the present r- refugee crisis because it wasn't going on when he was writing the books, one thing that was very popular around political discussion at the time was climate change. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really easy to see how... The analogy between how the people of Westeros have to deal with the impending forever winter mm-hmm. and the changes to their climate is very easily tied into how we're not properly preparing for our climate change and that's happening. Mm-hmm. I guess it hasn't been shown yet what is causing these crazy climate climate shifts in Game of Thrones if it was actually going to turn out to have been caused by people all along. So like, isn't that just the way their world is set up or do you think there's a larger thing behind it? I think there might be a larger thing behind it because do you remember last season where Bran seen a vision of the children of the forest creating the Night King? 
they like shoved the the piece of dragon glass into oh, the dude's yeah. heart and his eyes went blue yeah um in the background there is the arrow shaped mountain but it's all green and lush and lovely oh. and then when they go in the in the last episode it's the mountain that um the hound seen in his in his vision and he's like there's that mountain mm-hmm. and it's it's the same it's the same scape landscape but it's entirely frozen over mm. which means that back in the old days that was actually really nice area so yeah yeah that's and someone left a fridge open someone maybe have left a massive fridge open and just like in mm-hmm. the world today when you leave your fridge open you're burning more energy and causing more carbon emissions to be released into the atmosphere which causes more climate change so that could have happened in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. You remember those Tom and Jerry episodes where they leave the freezer open and the whole place turns like into a winter wonderland and they'd skate around the kitchen and stuff? Uh, no. <laughs> Me neither. Go on. <laughs> that one, that may have been one of your uh, jet lag adult delusions again, Richie. Are you actually recording this? It's probably worth checking. <laughs> I'm just like speaking into a toaster or something. <laughs> if you got like a pair of glasses on a toaster and you got like Steve written on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. So racism exists in Game of Thrones. Um, it's really, really prevalent in the books but uh, and kind of prevalent in the TV show. Mm-hmm. People that live in Westeros, they're not all one people. So you have the people in the north who are descended from who are called the First Men. And then you have the people in the south who are descended from the Andals. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people in Dorne who are descended from, I think they were called the Children of the River. They came from somewhere over in that uh, Essos place where Danny was hanging around right and they settled down the south there but they're all three very different races and cultures which leads to a lot of clashes right. of people like not liking each other just based on where they're from and there's like mm-hmm. there's re- and like reli- religious reasons as well yeah. I assume yeah so the people in the north well, they have like the old gods and the new gods yes yeah, so is that based on where they're from it is as well yes yeah. so the people the first the people in the north who are from the first men they keep the old gods who are the same gods that are up beyond the wall mm. and the people in the south have got the seven and I think Dorne, they're with the Seven as well. I don't think there's any difference in the right. religion. And then, of course, talking about religion as well, you have um, the Red Witch and her fire religion coming in. And your man, the mm-hmm. the, the the Red Priest, who Tormund, is it? Who brought all the people back to life? Is it? Is his name Tormund? Um, oh, no, Tormund, T- Tormund is the, Tormund's the badass wildling. I don't know. I can't remember that guy's name. So, but so the, the Lord of Light, that guy, that's that's separate from the uh, the new gods, correct? Yes, like, okay, it's a separate thing. Is that the only, like, is that the one true God in that place? Because that's the only place I've seen actual proof in terms of all the people being brought back to life in his name. Uh, yes, I guess you could say that. Like, if you were to base your theological beliefs on physically seeing proof of it, it's been proven that two different priests, a priest and a priestess of that God, brought someone back to life. Whereas yeah. the High Septon of the Seven religion, he, uh, he got blown up because his gods weren't around to help him, so... I could very easily say that, oh yeah, well, maybe this is actually the true God because here's some magic happening right in front of you coming from that God. Yeah. I guess the old gods, they're real too because Bran is using what is what could be guessed as their power because he, he, puts, his, oh. he puts his hand on those weird faces and has visions. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Sorry, we're getting a bit off topic here, but what's new? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, racism. Racism exists. Yeah, racism exists. You can definitely say that like what's going on over in Essos where you have... The people who would be descended from the target, because the the Valyrians were the, the people the Targaryens came from, who were basically like mm-hmm. the equivalent of the old Roman Empire, who used to rule everyone with a, with a, and had a slave system, but then disappeared, and we're mm-hmm. all living in the aftermath of that. Oh, that's why there was there. That's why there were so many slave cities over where Danny went. Yeah, so the people who took over the slave cities claimed that they were descendants of the Valyrians, like true blood and and true all that. Mm. Whereas the people and the people that they enslaved were not so. That's, that's another bit. Uh, Which is why okay. 
it kind of looks a bit strange where a Targaryen who is 100% of the blood of the Valyrians is the one who's coming around and breaking up slavery, which is why people were kind of surprised mm-hmm. when she was doing that. I mean, I certainly was. Yeah, I mean, I know you're pro-slavery. So. <laughs> you can't say stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> why, is that an issue these days? I'm assuming you're going to use your one edit veto to leave that in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, Okay. <laughs> It's okay, you immediately responded by not denying it, so, uh, yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, all I said was you can't say it. Fuck. Uh, so, it's talking about how Danny got on. I'm not, I don't approve of slavery. Um, so, talking about how Danny uh, was in the slave cities and how she was ruling them, there was a lot of um, kind of discussion about how tough it is to actually govern going on there. So, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll finish, we'll wrap it up with this one. So, one of the best things I think that Game of Thrones can give to people who is interested in politics as well is that it spends an awful lot of time, both in the both in the books and the TV shows, um, showing you and having people discuss what makes a good ruler. So, whereas our rulers may not be purple-eyed, white-haired dragon queens, um, that we know about. That we know about. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, they're essentially doing the same thing. They are the leaders of nations or cities or armies, and they are telling other people what to do, which is a, a, a direct mm-hmm. analogy to what we talk about on this podcast every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You see, you've seen a lot of different kind of rulers come in and go, and a lot of people have give, given them varying advice on how to do it. And you've kind of seen like the effects of what happens when someone goes hard line on those kind of things. So Ned Stark is a good example. He was a ruler who was all about honor. He thought that he was, his, his job to be in charge was to follow the way that things should be done with honor. So mm-hmm. like you're, you see it at the very start. I think the one of the maybe the first or second scenes with him is him chopping the head off a guy who ran away from the wall. So the punishment yeah. is... And he made his kid watch it. Yeah, because eventually the kid was going to have to do something similar. So he's like, this is what you need to learn. Yeah. And not only that, but it's the honorable thing is that he who passes the judgment must swing the sword because he's the Lord of Winterfell. He has to be the one to bring out the justice. And then Rob carries on through that. Um, Rob, his, Ned's son, later on, when he has to kill one of his, his lords who disobeyed his orders, he had to be the one to kill him himself. Mm-hmm. And that ends up getting... Uh, Ned into a lot of trouble because when he, when he goes into King's Landing and he's dealing with people who don't govern with honour who want to govern mm. through deceit and intrigue and schemes he kind of gets completely overwhelmed in fact like if you were to give him a rating as to how good he was at the Game of Thrones you, you put him down near the end <laughs> he, he was really bad <laughs> yeah, he had the opportunity to seize power immediately whenever Robert was dying yeah and he was there. Uh, he readily offered him armies to help him put him on the throne. Yeah. Or even as a, as a regent, don't even know if he was necessarily saying, make me the king. Basically, just get rid of the Lannisters and we can take over, which is essentially what Ned wanted to do anyway, because he believed that the Lannisters were killing people. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He said, no, the honourable thing is to send out a letter to Stannis, who's the next in line because Joffrey's a bastard. And... Yeah. We'll put him in charge. But nobody wanted that because everyone fucking hated Stannis. He was a grumpy old shit. Yeah. And then everyone goes off, plays their moves behind him. He Mm. made the fucking idiot mistake of trusting the most duplicitous guy. I mean, obviously Littlefinger is going to be a bad, bad dude. He's got a goatee. Yeah, and his name's Littlefinger. (laughs) Why, you don't trust people with little fingers? I just trust anyone with a name that fucking weird. (laughs) Well, he's actually... They need a good wholesome name like Stephen Byrne. (laughs) He's got. I trust anything a Stephen Byrne said. Yeah, especially the toaster that you've been talking to for forty minutes. Littlefinger is called Littlefinger because he comes from a peninsula that sticks out like a little finger. So that's why he's called Littlefinger. Oh, is that it? Yeah. 
and it's like it's a, it's a mocking oh. it's a mocking kind of name that they give him but actually that's a, that's another here's <laughs> I, thought, a, I, thought was, I thought i thought it was a penis thing <laughs> well like that's the joke is like yeah we can we can call him that legitimately because he comes from Littlefinger, but it's also like eh, eh, penis whereas like everyone oh i thought it was just like it was literally just like <laughs> small dick <laughs> no one around the city oh yeah he's got <laughs> that small dick <laughs> No, <laughs> he would probably be a lot. Uh, that's why he wants to be king so bad, just because he's compensating. Yeah, like Trump and his tiny hands. Exactly. Here's a, here's a quick aside. So did you know that the map of Westeros is England stuck onto the bottom of Ireland and made large? Really? Yeah. It's like, it's really easy. If you get the map of England, stick, turn Ireland upside down, stick it onto the bottom of it, and they're both like, make them both the same size. Yeah. That's, that's the map. That's the map of Westeros. So the entire north is starts at the bottom of England and then beyond the wall is Scotland. And then mm. down in the Vale, where little fingers from, that's actually like the bits of Kerry and Cork that are sticking out, like these little fingers. And then you go all the oh, way down. Oh, no way. And then you have like the, what do you call it? The, um, like down around Northern Ireland is, and Donegal is Dorne. So mm-hmm. it's like really, really clear once you see it. That's George R. R. Martin was not being original when he drew that map. He just got these two bits and <laughs> stuck them together. <laughs> He's like, fuck it. Yeah, he's like, man, I just wrote all these fucking words. Now I gotta draw a map. What? He wasn't like that Tolkien dweeb who loved that shit. Yeah, <laughs> creating all his own stuff from scratch. Bunch of nerds. So, um, oh yeah, rulers. Was well, um, this an aside from root? Yeah, rulers. So that's how. So Ned, he didn't do too well. Um, he played. He mm. tried to play the game by the rules when everyone, when it was so obvious all around him that nobody else was playing that game. That the game was actually something else. Yeah. And then Rob, he. He kind of, he, he did it the same thing. He did it the same way, but at the same time, he also was willing to use sneaky tricks. Mm. Like uh, he did, he did like a military uh, one, two, where he sent Bruce Bolton down to fight Tywin's army with what he thought was like, was supposed to be the full force, but it was actually only a handful. And his main army like did a, a quick double back. And I think they took uh, Jamie's army then somewhere else. So that was like pretty, he was getting pretty clever at that. Mm-hmm. But then he went and married the wrong person and pissed off the wrong lords and entirely he whittled down his own base of support and left himself open to be backstabbed by someone that he never should have trusted. You can't trust anyone in that world. No, well, yeah, you can't at all. Yeah, he was pretty stupid too. So Tyrion's role now seems to be that he is, he's been looking at all this stuff going on and all these different rulers and he's decided that Daenerys is the best hope for the world's vision of a good ruler. It was actually, that's a bit different in the book. So in the books, he's kind of just bent on revenge. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's just, he really wants to fuck over Cersei for all the bad things that she's done to him. And I don't that's really... That's totally understandable. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, as a, as a as a justification for doing anything, that's good. But whereas uh, Barristan Selmy is still alive in the books and he his role is to try and find the good prince, the good ruler. So they've kind of merged what his role is, is what, what Tyrion is doing in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about it a lot. He wants Daenerys to always be the good ruler that he sees coming. I don't necessarily think he may have found the right person, though, because she does like setting people on fire. Yeah. I mean, she was super promising there for a long time, but there's been way too many people being lit, lit and not in the good way. Yeah, but then again... Not the way millennials use the word lit. <laughs> what, do they? What does that mean? I think we've talked about this before, haven't we not? Lit? I don't the think... The word lit. Did we talk about lit? Yeah, hold on. Let me pull up an Urban Dictionary, because... We talked about... I'm just going to sound like an old fart if I if I try quote it verbatim. You told me about taint. <laughs> <laughs> I did, didn't I? I forgot about that. Uh, Urban Dictionary. Oh my God, it's like the third. So when you type Urban Dictionary, the autocomplete is Urban Dictionary melt, then goat, and then lit. Lit. 
and then thought and then peak. I don't know what any of these are. I know what they are, but oh, I don't man. know what Urban Dictionary thinks they are. Yeah, okay. Uh, lit, when something is turned up or popping. Uh, example, John, did you go to that party last night? Daquan, yes, that shit was lit. Okay. Hashtag party, hashtag fun, hashtag cool, hashtag popping. Does that explain it? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So this this podcast is lit, Daquan. Oh, <laughs> won't ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Daenerys so- has not yet proved herself to be a lit ruler yet because she's <laughs> she's too busy she's too busy going around and burning people. But then again, the, in her credit, like she did give the guys the chance to to bend the knee, and then they refused, and then she like. I mean, I know, but is a choice really a choice if the alternative is death? That doesn't sound like a lot of a choice. She didn't offer them death. She offered them to to serve her. She would let them... Yeah, serve her or die. Like, that that was the choice. Yeah, and they chose death. I know, but it's, it's hardly a proper choice. Why, you think there should be a third option? Like, just because you're offering someone a choice, one of which being that death does not mean you're a fair ruler. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I don't know. In the Game of thrones kind of world, it kind of does. Mm. I mean... The, it it kind of got a bit silly last time when he was talking about how they're going to choose a new ruler before Danny headed off in a dangerous mission because he does have a good point like what are they going to do if she dies she doesn't have any children and she can't have any children yeah. they can't exactly make the fucking yeah. one of the dragons the next king because they're she, I was going to say she said the dragons are a kid <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. well it's a line of succession so <laughs> and Tyrion started hinting that he thinks that they should bring democracy to Westeros he started this was going to be Yes, this was going to be uh, one of my questions, and I get. I guess we can talk about it now, or we can wait for the end. But yeah, I want to see like how likely would, given uh, you know an endless amount of years, how long would it be before democracy was introduced, or would it ever be introduced into this world? I don't know because there's something there's something weird about Westeros. It's stagnant, utterly stagnant, and it, it doesn't develop technology or political. Um, political systems they've pretty much had the same feudal system sword wielding on a horse night shit for 10,000 years if you look at what the history really? of the show is yeah whereas 10,000 years ago in with with you know the real civilization in, in, like incomprehensibly incomprehensibly different like basically we had the tribes and the fucking caveman people 10,000 years ago whereas 10,000 years ago you still had a Stark in Winterfell wow which is a bit different it, yeah I think I'm pretty sure it's 10,000 and not 1,000 it's something that's staggeringly like different yeah and the, the world the world didn't develop technology didn't develop they're still in the same thing I think the only reason that the Andals came in and were were able to take over the first man was because they developed iron as opposed to bronze that, and copper that the other guys were using. Mm. But like that, that's as far as the technology went. They still haven't developed microprocessors. <laughs> they don't know what the word lit means. No. <laughs> they think it means, what, like a, for- a furnace. Yeah, they have an urban dictionary, but it's in a library. <laughs> and it's just the ramblings of a drunken idiot. <laughs> as opposed to what it is in real life. <laughs> um, Basically. Yeah, so well. I don't know. Like, obviously... The TV show is going its own path and Tyrion is definitely hinting that democracy could be possible. So, you, I mean, you could have Daenerys opening the first parliament at the end of the show. I, <laughs> I, I doubt it somehow, though. I mean, yeah, I think everyone's either going to be dead or they'll just like put a new, they'll, they'll pick whoever they want to be the winner and put them, put the crown on them and then end. Do you think it'll be a happy ending? I'm like so- in any sort of shape or form or is just going to be depressing? Like... I don't know. I kind of. Hey, it's Cersei. I really hope they do something that's neither, that's like weird. I don't think they're going to give you like a piss, that ending that would leave people pissed off, like leaving Cersei in charge or something like that. Mm. But I also can't see them saying that, you know, and Daenerys ruled happily ever after and everyone was delighted. Mm. I think it's going to be, it's going to be something weird and different. And I'm not even going to, mm. I'm not even going to bother speculating. 
I just hope that they don't fuck it up. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure George R. R. Martin isn't going to get around to finishing the books. So so this could be our only this is comprehensive, gonna, yeah, this complete... Is gonna, this is going to be the conclusion of the, of the story of, of Game of Thrones. Of the Song of Ice So how many Ice books does he have left to write? Two, he says. it's. He said it was a seven, a seven book series and f- the fifth one was the last one that was published. So everyone's waiting on the new one, which is Winds of Winter. But we've been waiting mm-hmm. nearly seven years. Wow. So, yeah. And... It's impossible to know how close he is. He, like, I think two years ago he told people he was halfway done, but then last and then he started the eyes and crossing the T's. Then, yeah, he started hinting that it would be out by the end of that year, and then he completely said no, I, I flopped it and I didn't have it because apparently his writing style he doesn't really pre-plan. He just kind of writes as he goes along, but then he'll have like a cool idea that'll involve having to go back and change a whole load of shit, so that makes sense. Uh, which means that he's constantly kind of rewriting. So there's there's downsides to that mm-hmm. in that that means that it takes an awful long time. But the upside to that is that he doesn't need to edit that much whenever he actually goes to release the book because he's already gone back yeah. and revised it so many times. So yeah, And he's got a cool original story. Yeah. But I mean, you can have a cool original story by brainstorming and planning the narrative as well, which is what other people do. But that's just <laughs> not his style. He just, no. His problem is he keeps on going to conventions and all these fan things. Because, I mean, the dude doesn't need any more money, as far as I can tell. He's he's pretty comfortable with his life. He's He lives somewhere in Arizona or New Mexico. And, like, he has a house on one side of the road. And then he has his office, like, in the next building. And then also down the street, he bought the local movie theater and kept it open. Wow. And has, like, fun events all the time for the people in the town. Oh. So George R. R. Martin's pretty happy. I think... And he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't, like, obviously if he releases these two books, he's going to make another fuck ton of cash, mm-hmm. but he can buy another fucking town and do the same thing if he wanted to. But I don't think he really cares about that. I think what he's most afraid of is writing a bad book oh. and, yeah, you know, disappointing his fans, which is why I think he's he's taking so long with this one. Because and I'm sure the success of the TV show, like being heralded as one of the greatest TV shows of all time the expectations even higher like there's more eyes on this story now than ever oh absolutely like i say it increased the fan base by like a thousand fold probably so oh, whereas yeah. before he's, he was already the god king of fantasy um now he's like the god king of standard culture because game of thrones is so popular <laughs> what <a> title <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i just hope i hope he does get around to finishing the books because um the uh, like the implication is that he's going to pass away before he does because he's not he's not a young man no and I was like, I know some people like a couple of years ago kept on making memes and and being pretty cruel to him and tweeting him, asking him like, "Why won't you do it before you die?" Which is like, yeah, okay, leave the guy alone on that. Yeah, that's, that that's not that's not like Neil Gaiman turned around and said the reason he hasn't finished the books is because he's not your bitch. <laughs> it's true. It's a it is true. But then again, to counter that, yeah, okay, George, you're not our bitch, but. The reason that you've had all of the success and happiness in your later life is that you've written a product that, you know, people have responded to and love. And surely you do owe them a conclusion to that story, please. Yeah, and there's the argument of art belongs to the people who consume it as much as the people who create it or even more so. Yeah. So. so, I mean, you know, both both sides, just like Game of Thrones, there's nuances and there's there's credit on both sides. What a perfect ending to this se- segment, this episode. Is that where you're planning on ending it? Did I, or did I just cut you off? Yeah, no, that's fine. I had like a whole load of historical events and people that could be linked back to it, but we've we're hitting the fifty minute mark when it was only supposed to be a half an hour. So <laughs> that's that's nothing new there. Nothing new there. Cool. So is that us? That's us. Sweet. Okay. Uh, what 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 do we do at the end here? Sorry. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If there is a Richie in your life who knows sweet fuck all about politics and wants to get better. 
feel free to share it with them. Make them a better person, much like Steve is doing with me now. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, please feel free to to, to share podcasts, um, live and die based on word of mouth, really. Really, really do appreciate it when you share it with a friend. I know we say it at the end of every episode and every podcast says at the end of every episode, but there's a reason and we do really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, don't just use your mouth to do it, though. Use your use your finger, your little fingers and go on to <laughs> keyboards and phones and uh, like it. Like it on Facebook. You, you can send us a message there um, mm-hmm. you can find us on Twitter at What Am Politics. You can send us an email that Richie will read and tell me about <laughs> Um, Do you not yeah. check the inbox at all? No, I never go onto that, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, I have it sat on my phone. Uh, yeah, what on politics at gmail.com, what on politics on Twitter, what on politics on Facebook. And the website that Richie spent a lot of time and effort making look super, super nice and super fancy, which um, was supposed to... constantly forgets to mention on the show. Whatonpolitics.com. <laughs> yeah. it was. It's also supposed to have like a lively and happening blog, but um, I noticed that people don't really click on it that much, so the incentive to write new posts isn't that strong, but I will get around to writing more. In fact, I think actually I'm going to tie in talking about uh, historical things with Game of Thrones that we didn't get to talk about, so I'll do one for that as well. So Perfect. Two points of media. If you want to use your ear holes to listen to us, you can also use your eye holes to read about it and use your mouth holes to tell people about it use every hole that you got all of them and now we're going to shut our holes we're going <laughs> to shut our holes and we're going to close this episode what an ending oh thank you supermarket over the theme music I'm getting better at remembering not great but yeah not you great not good not great by any standard by any metric but thank you we appreciate it is that it that's it see you Richie Hold on, Steve, I did this entire episode uh, in my underwear. Could you tell by the tone of my voice? Did it come through at all? Um, yes. Okay, cool. I just wanted to check. You're going to have to add the underwear filter to the, my audio track, though, so we both sound the same. Will do. Okay, bye. Okay, okay bye. <laughs>